You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Things have been continuing to be exciting at the Fireplace Church. Um, Now, I want to give everyone that's listening to this podcast a little up. Heads up. Uh, We've been tracking with a number of things at the ministry. And, uh, well, there's been a bit of confusion, right? We have bride ministries. And then we have the Fireplace Church. And people have been like, why are there different names for your different things? Like, why can't it just be Bride Ministries Church? Why do you guys have to be so confusing? And, you know... I've really taken some of this feedback to heart, and and we are now, for those of you that don't know yet, in a in the process of rebranding. We are uh, redoing all of our logos for all of our things that we offer: the Bride Ministries Institute, Discovering Truth, the Church, <laughs> Bride Ministries as a whole. We're actually rebranding the Bride Ministries International, and um, eventually we'll be moving some other things over and we're going to be upgrading the website and everything. So so get ready, get ready for a new presentation of what we are doing here as we move to the next level. I, in this process, discussed it with a few people and we decided, look, it's time for a small change. And so the Fireplace Church, as you will witness in the coming weeks, is going to change to Bride Ministries Church. We're, we're just going to switch. <laughs> and uh, why? To make it easy, to, to make it make sense. If Because, you know, and, and, and if you ask me, why did you not just do this from the beginning, Dan Duvall? Well, I don't always know exactly what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. And I'm trying to get better about these things, you know, but, but we just, you know, thought about it and consulted and threw some ideas around Fireplace Church just seemed like a, you know, like a cool thing. But, but we are building a single ministry, right? This is Bride Ministries. And so look for that. Now, we've been in a series on stars. And for those of you that have been attending, uh, we have been having such a, such a good time exploring some incredible revelation that the Bible has about stars. Well, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to some more of that. Now, I am going to make another announcement. I've mentioned this on the podcast a few times. We're going to be in Adelaide, Australia. My wife and I are coming. It's exciting. We're so excited to be back. And we will be hosted by um, Field of Dreams Church in Adelaide, Australia. There is a banner on our homepage at www.bridemovement.com. And if you look at the banner, uh, it's a sliding banner. And one of the slides is the advertisement for that conference with a button. And if you push that button, it'll actually take you right to the registration page. And it's their registration page. We're not handling anything to do with the registration for this conference. Um, so if you are in Australia, if you're looking forward to you know, being there, then you, you can go to our website, click the banner. But that's going to take you over to their pages. And it's going to have all the information, dates, times, um, how you can register and all of that. And if you have any issues, you're going to have to reach out to them. And, and they're so graciously, you know, um, made themselves the uh, 
troubleshooters and everything else that has to do with this conference. So, so if you are having any issues, just remember we at Bride Ministries are, 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 are not handling the logistics. And so with that said, I just want to say uh, one more word. Uh, we are working on the donation statements. Uh, for those of you that have contributed to us financially in 2018, those will be going out before the end of the month. When you receive your donation statement, you, you're going to be receiving it in, uh, in your email. If we have your email, you're going to be, if you've provided us with a physical address, we're going to also send those statements to your physical address. Uh, many of you will get two statements for that reason, one to your email, one to your physical address. Um, and for some of you, for whatever reason, you have created multiple donor profiles with us. I, 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 I've seen this, and, and sometimes I don't always know what's going on. Uh, first of all, I'm not going to get all the details, but, but you know, people will go in with different emails, and give us donations and type their name in differently sometimes. Like uh, with, with one email, you put your middle initial. With the other email, you don't. And, and, and one person is, is the wife and the other person is the husband. And, and, and truly, on our end, the logistics of trying to combine all of these different ways that people have contributed to us is... Uh, a task that we we're not really equipped to take and so so what some of you may find if you have contributed to us in different ways and, and use different names or different spellings and whatever different initials uh, what you may find is that you get several statements from us all sent to the same address and so you can um, just understand that uh, you have our apologies on the front end that that we are, are not at the place that we have uh, better systems to create conglomerates of information and to pack them all together and make it seamless. <laughs> Hopefully we can go to that point this year, but for now, just have grace and understand that if you get, you know, one statement with some of your giving on it and another statement with the rest of your giving on it, that's the way it showed up in our system. And so uh, please be gracious with us. But if there are any errors or anything else like that, let us know immediately at info at bridemovement.com and we will correct anything as fast as possible because we value those of you that support us financially and we um, are, are, are incredibly appreciative of what you are doing to sow into the advancement of the kingdom of God. With that said, I'll see you on the other side. Well, folks, it is so exciting to have you back. I would like to take a moment and introduce you to my guest this week, Dan Duvall. Hey, guys. Uh, I don't actually have a guest this week. And as I was, you know, getting ready to start the week, I, I was actually not settled on what direction I'd be taking the podcast. And so... You know, I asked God, I said, well, what, what direction should we go this week? Where, where, where should we conversate? And as I was considering all the things this morning and praying, I heard him just say, talk from the heart today. Which makes me both excited and nervous. Because every time I just start talking without a plan, I say some crazy stuff. 
and I never really know what's about to come out because it's like, you know, you're just talking and then you say stuff. Some of you guys know all about this because you uh, put your foot in your mouth regularly. I try not to personally. I, I try to be a bit uh, rigid about how I communicate what and when, but you know, sometimes it's necessary just to put it out there. So, so this week, you know, I said, okay, I want to talk from the heart. What is in my heart? And, and, and I'm going to be honest this year. I've had a number of things that have, been on my heart from the outset of the year. One is the idea that I believe that this year is designed to be a year of end of delay. Among other things, I believe that there are things that have been on the agenda for people's lives that they have been contending for sometimes maybe years or decades that are on the agenda to come to pass this year. And I know that in the case of my wife and I, we are looking at this year as being an incredible year of forward motion. Not that last year was it, but last year for us was a foundation laying year. As a matter of fact, one of the things I think I'm going to be making repeated references to as I just talk freely today, <laughs> the chains are off, right? Um, it's our Bride Ministries Institute because we laid the foundation last year by building that platform. And, and uh, I, I had in my heart to put 10 classes on that platform, uh, ending with a course on realms and realm thinking. But Last year, we recorded nine out of the 10. And as I record this podcast, I am working on that 10th class as, as far as laying it all out. And, and we're close. I, I mean, we're almost there. And so by the time you hear this podcast, maybe if you hear it a month down the road or something like that, that course may already be up at our institute. But we were laying this foundation because where the ministry is going, we need a roadmap so that people that are new believers or just beginning to connect into some of the things that we are trading on at this ministry have a path so they can catch up and understand why we're talking about the things that we're talking about. But this year is a year, I believe, of end of delay and manifestation. And we are looking at all kinds of things that, that we know are on our scrolls as coming to pass this year. And we believe that this is true for many people. And, and what I want to say is that in conjunction with this, I believe that what is on many of our scrolls is to manifest something more. What do I mean by manifest? Manifest is what is displayed, okay? Manifest is what is displayed, right? Because you can tell someone you are a victorious soccer player. Victorious at soccer. But when they go on the field, 
and they miss 20 passes. They don't score any goals and their team gets beat. They did not manifest the confession. And when I talk about manifesting something more, what I am saying is that for many of us, we have been told truth. That is, elements of our identity in Christ, components of our inheritance in Christ. We have been taught the word of God that we've been free from. And maybe some of us are so new to this whole Christian thing that you haven't. But many of us have. And we're told things like, you're more than a conqueror in all these things through Christ which loved us. But your manifestation isn't there. God has told me things like, you're going to have access to incalculable wealth. Okay, that's a big statement. Am I manifesting it right now? No, I, I'm not. <laughs> I can count what I have, and I can give you a pretty accurate picture of what we're working with. Not that I'm going to, but what I'm saying is we have on our scrolls something. That is profound. It is that we are to manifest something more. <laughs> because what we have in Christ, we are not manifesting fully. And I want to take some time, and, and you know, this is kind of easier if you're not using notes because then you feel like you're anchored you're like i'm not a cool squid this scripture and get lost in that scripture and tie the scripture that's good today i'm just talking manifestation is actually designed to occur on both sides of the veil you know some people think manifestation is only about getting it from the spirit to the physical world we already have all things in christ right so the manifestation in the spirit is complete. We just have to figure out a way to bring it into the natural realm. Okay. So let's think about it like this, right? With a gas station, what happens is you go to the pump and take that nozzle and put it in your car. You will swipe your credit card or pay cash. And then the machine will turn on and you will push the lever and the gas will go into the car like magic, right? Now, how many of you know that that gas station is plugged into an infinite reservoir of oil right underneath it? All of the ignorant people said amen, right? Because those of us that know how a gas station works know there is no such thing as an infinite source of oil right underneath the gas station. There is a truck that comes from the oil refinery. It will park maybe once a week or once every other week on deliverance days on the property of the gas station. 
then a big hose will be plugged into that truck that will then go into the ground and underground reserves that the gas pumps pull from. And the reservoirs will be filled up with oil or, or gasoline, gasoline, so that when you drive your car into the pump, it works like magic, right? Now, let me ask you a question. If a gas station ceases to receive an oil shipment, what will happen to those gas pumps? They will run dry. And it doesn't matter what you do. You can put it in right side up. You can put the gas thing in upside down. You can do a dance with the gas thing, <laughs> you know, and then put it in the gas thing. You can read a hymnal <laughs> at the gas pump. It's not going to pump gas. Why not? Because the, the gas wasn't shipped and loaded in to the residence. So, so something about the mechanics has broken down. Now, for many people, we don't understand physical and spiritual separation or interweaving. We don't understand the mechanics of how that works. And for far too many believers, our understanding of mechanics is actually wrong. It's just flat out incorrect because it's oversimplified in a way that actually puts the devil on top. All right. Because when we try to step into solution sets for problems that we face, our solution sets do not acknowledge the reality of the mechanics behind why things are wrong. So, so, so just imagine the guy at the gas station, right? See, because let's say the shipment never came in. So the guy sitting there at the gas pump trying to pump the gas, it's not coming through. What are going to be his solution sets? I will try to unclog the tube. So they run a snake up the tube, the gas pump, and try to clean it out, right? They pull the thing out. Then they try to pump the gas. And maybe I had to clean out the tube, but that doesn't solve the problem. Then they may try to open up the machine and figure things out inside the machine. Maybe reconfigure something. Maybe a circuit's blown. Close it up. But that's not the solution to the problem. Okay. They may do a dance and a jig and turn it upside down and say, well, maybe if we do it this way. <laughs> but that's not the solution to the problem. And I hate to, to say it, but, but this is kind of how the church has done things for a long time because we meet people with a certain problem set. And we're like, well, if you dance upside down or if you say three amens and two hallelujahs instead of two amens and three hallelujahs, that'll work. And, you know, what, what we have not understood is that there's a part of the process we don't even know exists. Now, in, in my line of work, I've been forced to learn how it works. 
how a lot of things work. The, 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 what, what, what surprised me, and I, I say this you know, regularly on podcasts and in, in different venues, is, is that the, the more that you know, we learn about how things work, the more uncomfortable other people get. <laughs> and it's like, but it's working. Wouldn't you want the rest of the story that actually works and gets results? And the answer in some situations is no. I shared a story when I was at a, a conference in Austin not too long ago about my, uh, my experience with a certain deacon. <laughs> oh, the deacon. I'll tell you the story about the deacon. So years ago, God was in the process of showing me some things about who I am in the spirit. Uh, and, and, and so the assignment was go around the city you're living in, which at that time was one of the suburbs in Chicago. I was living up there. He said, go around and pray in the parking lots, all of the churches in this area. And I will give you things to say and to speak. I will show you things about what's going on. And all you're supposed to do is write it down. So it was a test of faith. And, and see, I, I didn't know who I was in the spirit at the time. You know, I, I didn't know that I really could do stuff like this or that by doing stuff like this, I was stepping into a component of my identity and role and office in Christ that I didn't know existed. So, so, so God was breaking me in, you know, and, and, and this was a kind of a cool exercise because it's not like I'm having to perform for a thousand people. <laughs> in an area I'm very insecure about. So I, I drive into the parking lots and I was praying for these church and God was showing me all kinds of things. You know, he would show me about people in the churches. He, he'd give me, you know, things to speak, you know, over the bodies, you know, like, like freedom in different areas or this, or what. And, um, I, you know, my, my whole objective was, I, I don't know what's going on in these churches and so so i'm just here to worship god and and then say whatever he says and as i got into that pattern you know i'd be sitting there in my car with worship music playing and i would start to see things i remember one church it was like a angel a massive angel uh had been laying down sleeping and as i worshiped god in the parking lot it was like um, the, the worship was able to be directed and, and used as a, like a battery charger for the angel. And as I was worshiping, I could feel that the life of that worship entering the angel and the angel awaking back up in a sense and standing back up over that, that church. It was, it was a really cool experience. And I'm like, I didn't know. It's, it's, it's just like beginning to walk into the spirit where I'm saying, I didn't know that this could happen. I, I didn't know that there could be angels that are uh, assigned, but you know they, they've grown very weak or weary over a body or over a church or over a family to the point that they're you know kind of laying down. I, I, my assumption was, and I, I don't know the whole story, that, that angel had been, because this was an older church, uh, 
it had been there for some time, maybe over a hundred years, and the church had grown pretty dead. And so it had, in its own sense of strength and capacity, weakened. And, you know, sometimes I think about these poor guys that get put on assignments in some of these households and families where people do nothing but uh, curse each other and live a life devoid of worship and praise and complain about everything. You know, these angels, they, they feed on our worship to God and that's what keeps them strong. So, so, you know, I was, I I learned so many things, right. I, I, that I remember one church, I went to one of the bigger churches in the area. There was this giant, reptile standing over the church like inside of the church and above it is like a like a dinosaur i'm like wow you are a giant reptile spirit and of course you know i'm not called to rebuke it or cast it out it was just there because it was invited there and i don't know what these people did i never went to the church i just saw it and you know god gave me a few things to tell that giant reptile standing outside of the church i had these crazy encounters so there was one church that i went to and there was um, something that had happened in the church, very sad. And it essentially, uh, and this made public news. I mean, it was in the newspaper, it was everything, but not yet, not when I went, okay? But, but in the news and everything, it had gotten out that there was some impropriety between a youth leader and one of the students, female students. And so um, I didn't know that. All I knew is that it was that church I pulled into the parking lot and I began to pray and God gave me this prophetic word. And so I wrote it down, like all this stuff that actually had to do with that and what God was going to do about it. And I didn't even know that was going on. And then God did this crazy thing because he didn't do this at any of the other churches. He said, you have to tell the pastor. And I was like, what? I don't want to tell. I am not your guy. I get kicked out of churches, Jesus. I'm not the one that's called to prophesy to pastors. I don't even know if these people believe in prophecy at all. So I found myself in the shoes of Jonah. I want to run to Tarshish, man. But God was like, you have to do this. So after I wrote down this prophetic word, I got out of the car, went in, as the pastor was in. No, but the assistant pastor came out and met me. And I talked with him. I didn't share the word. But I just got to talk with him for a little while. And I said, well, I have something I really want to share with the pastor. So maybe I can schedule something. And they're like, yeah, you know. So I, I wound up scheduling a time I came back. Sat down with the, the head pastor. And I had my sheet with me, hands trembling. And I'm like, I know you don't know me. And I don't know you. But God, I, you know, I, I was praying. And I was praying for your church. Because I'm doing this thing. And, and, and I feel like this is what the Lord wants me to share with you. So the pastor's like, okay, let's hear it. <laughs> so I give it to him. And he's just like, that is spot on. And then he told me a few things. You know, this is what happened. It's going to be out in the newspaper. This is how we're handling it. And they were handling it in the right way. You know, they, they weren't covering anything up. They were actually preparing to break the news to the entire congregation. I mean, it was it's very much, you know, uh, I, I honor the way that this leader was dealing with a very difficult situation. <laughs> and it was very public, very public, very difficult situation. And, 
you know, the, the, the person was reported, they, they were getting arrested, I mean, and there were going to be criminal proceedings that followed the individual that did the criminal activity. I mean, so, so everything was being handled, but it, it, it's any time a church goes through something like this, it's, it's going to be really hard on everyone. And, and so um, I was not attending the church, but I said, you know, let me, uh, maybe I can volunteer and just show up to your prayer meetings and help pray for your body as they go through this transition. And he blessed that. He said, you know, that's fine. Yeah. We have a, a prayer team and some leaders and, and you can come and, and pray for our, our church. And so I did. I started praying for the church and <clears throat> that was where I met the deacon. Now the deacon by all, you know, it was, was a, was a decent person, right? By all measures, whatever. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily had malintent, but he was old school and I am Dan Duvall. <laughs> so, so, so what I did was when I, when I came into this thing, I came in under the radar. I'm like, I'm going to pray exactly like these people pray. I'm not going to raise any eyebrows. I'm an outsider. I just want to help. So I, I sort of go into their intercessory prayer meetings and there'd be like five or six people, you know, the average prayer meeting size for a church of several hundred. And I, uh, you know, I, I figured out their style to pray. Lord, help our people. Make them feel better. Uh, Lord, Help me feel better. I don't really know where you are, and neither does anyone else. Amen. I'm telling you, I'd be there going nuts. I'm like imploding on the inside. Like, oh, there you guys. Do you know what you're working with? <laughs> but I tried my best. You know, I, I come in under the radar and, and, and what I do is I would just quietly, you know, mellowly quote Bible scriptures as I pray. I was like, well, Lord, I just thank you that your word says. And Lord, I just acknowledge that your word says, and, you know, and, and I pray that way. That's how I pray still, but just, you know, a little less volume. And I was doing pretty good, right? We're praying for these people. And, uh, then there was a lady and she had every kind of thing going wrong with her body. I mean, it was a carpet tunnel. It was, uh, you know, wheelchair. It was uh, something going wrong on the, you know, organs. It was like all this stuff. I mean, it was so sick every week. So, 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 you know, she's getting wheeled into these prayer meetings or on her walker. And, and I felt bad, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. I happen to know that Isaiah 53 acknowledges that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our sins was upon him. Or for, and, and, and by his stripes, we are healed. And, and it's something on the inside of me just went, you can be healed. But no one here seems to agree. And so I bit my tongue because I was there for weeks and weeks and months and and after so many weeks, I, you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, you know, and, and, and then I, I dug myself a ditch. 
<laughs> I believe that Jesus can heal you. Big mistake, right? <laughs> can I pray for you? And so it was agreed. She said, yeah, yeah, you could pray for me. And so it was agreed that the next week, part of the agenda would be to pray for this lady. And so the next week comes and I'm like, I'm ready to go. Faith up, prayed up. We're going in. We're going to see some manifestation. And so I meet the people there and it's just me, her, and the deacon. The other couple of folks that would come in usually or whatever, all of them couldn't make it this particular week. So it's just the three of us. And I'm like, oh, okay. This is going to be very interesting. Now, one of the things that works for me when I'm going to minister to people is, is I like to be able to pray in tongues because when I begin to pray in tongues, it's like it activates things in the spirit and I'm able to see better and hear the Lord. Uh, I, I do have the gift of interpretation of tongues, especially when it comes to my own tongues and prayer language. And so when I'm speaking in tongues, I'm getting the interpretation as I'm speaking, which allows me to pray prophetically or get keys or insights into things, especially if I'm praying for somebody that doesn't have the ability to hear or see in the spirit at all. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, before we get started, I just want to ask, do you mind if I pray in tongues? And the woman was like, oh yeah, uh, I don't mind. But the deacon, I mind. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, you do. Okay, well, let's try this your way. And so I agree that I am not going to pray in tongues so I do not offend the deacon. <laughs> and what I felt like happened is that I took one of my arms in the spirit, tied it behind my back. So now I, 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 I'm down 50%. And so we begin to pray into the lady's situation. And looking back, I'm about 75% sure she was a survivor of some kind of serious stuff. Because as we begin to pray, the symptoms immediately begin to get worse. And as we continue to pray harder, she begins to see in the spirit and there's a massive wall and the angels are on one side of the wall, but they can't get through. And it's like things are holding onto her arms and holding onto her body and they won't let go. And, and it's like, you know, everything's getting intensified the more I pray. And I am trying to figure out what are the legalities, what's going wrong. And the woman is literally getting worse and worse and worse physically as I'm praying more. And the deacon is sitting there like, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I figure out I'm fighting the woman, you know, and her demons. I, I mean, I'm fighting with the demon and all the stuff that's hanging on her and all of the unbelief. And, and I'm fighting with the deacon in the spirit. It's like, you know, get, get off me. <laughs> and I can't pray in tongues. And I am not nearly as proficient in the prophetic then as I am now. Because we're going rewind years ago. And I'm like, this is a mess. 
And at one point, like 40 minutes in, the woman's like, I can't leave this place. You're going to have to call an ambulance. I'm like, this guy thinks I'm putting witchcraft curses on her in an active way. This woman literally has, you know, I, I mean, gotten worse to the point that she can't even leave the building. They're going to call an ambulance. And what's the reason why? Dan Duvall prayed for you. This is bad PR, man. <sighs> so I'm like, God, you're going to have to do something here. I really dug myself a ditch. And so I say a whole bunch more stuff. And then I come back around and I say, and Lord God, I just pray that everything that has transacted, you would rewind back to the point that we started in her body so that she leaves in the same condition that she arrived here in and she's able to walk out. And God have mercy. That point. Her whole body went back. All the symptoms died down to the level of tolerance that she had arrived in. And the deacon's just looking at me. And so we all leave. <laughs> and so the next week, a week goes by. I don't hear anything, right? Nothing. A week goes by. The next week, I come back to the prayer meeting, and I'm like, I wonder what happened. And the woman isn't there. As a matter of fact, it's just me and the deacon. <laughs> oh, you deacon, you. And so we're supposed to intercede for the church. And so this is back in the days when I was still a nice guy. I say, have you heard anything from so-and-so? The deacon's like, yep. Okay. Story goes that she went home and went to bed. The next day woke up. And everything in her body had improved by 90%. Massive physical breakthrough on all this stuff. So she called the deacon and told him. No one told me. She called the deacon and told him. So I'm listening to the deacon and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. You know, I'm thinking of my, like, I hope you learned your lesson. And you know what the deacon said? Because I didn't say that. I just thought that. Deacon said, you know what? If what I witnessed is what it means to go to these other places with God, then I don't want it. And that's the attitude that I, I just do not tolerate anymore. I would have, at this point, openly rebuked him to his face in Jesus' name. But back then, I was still in, like, my mid-20s. And so I was just like, I understand. <laughs> the heck was I thinking? You know, uh, but this is people, right? And, and this is why it's this mindset that exists in the people that are 
shepherding or helping to shepherd flocks of people that keep people at the pump trying to turn it upside down, do a funny dance, do this. And they don't even know the rest of the mechanics. They do not know the rest of the story. Why? Because they didn't want to. And I'm here to tell you, it's time for the body of Christ to start manifesting on both sides of the veil. Newsflash. The Bible says, um, may the God of all peace sanctify you wholly. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are a spirit that has a soul and lives in the body. Now we have a whole course on how to minister to the human spirit where I break this thing down. And I want you to know that if you're ready to begin manifesting on both sides of the veil, this is information you need. It's information you need. Because what we have learned is that the spirit, which is the part of us designed to operate on the other side of the veil, that is the spirit world, not the physical world, is for many people in bondage, in captivity, tied down, locked up, wandering, not present, and in all kinds of states of disrepair. I have tested this a lot of times. I'll go into churches uh, when I'm invited, which, you know, happens more actually lately. Praise God. But, you know, I do an exercise and I just say, look, we're, we're going to see who here has the ability to engage with their spirit. We're not talking conquest with their spirit. I'm not even talking, I, I just want to know if your spirit can engage at all. And I'll say to the human spirits in this room, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I honor you in the name of Jesus. And I invite you to come to the surface and be present. And then I'll say to everybody in the room, how many people in here can feel your human spirit stepping forward? You know that your spirit is up. It's typically about 30%. Which means that in a typical setting, and by the way, these are people that actually would show up if I was there. <laughs> okay, we're not even talking about, you know, other situations. 30%. Which means that 70% of people in there do not have the ability to engage with their human spirit at all. Most of the people that sit down and book one-time sessions with me that I meet, and if, if I get into the human spirit ministry, do not have their spirit step forward when I call it the first time. And so what I'm saying here is that the Bible says in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These the Lord will not despise. Just look, the heart can be broken. The soul can be broken and the spirit can be broken. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of Job, how long will you tear my soul in pieces with your words, right? Because evil words can break our soul in pieces and, and create soul fragments. When, when you have that abusive parent that just derides you day after day, week after week, year after year, you can fragment in a bunch of pieces because of the verbal abuse, you know? I, I mean, <clears throat> anyway, 
So every part of us is breakable, body, soul, and spirit. And hence the heart. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken heart to proclaim liberty to the captives. And what we need to understand here is that, look, not all of us have a functioning spirit. But the Bible says he was joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. The Bible says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of his being. The Bible says what man knows the thoughts of man is the spirit of man which is in him. The Bible has so much to say about the spirit. And, and I'm telling you, if this is the first time you've heard any of this, please get, get our class. Some people's lives look like the gas station where the soul is up there trying to put gas in the car. But the part that's supposed to be handled by the spirit, which is bringing in the truckload of goodness and capacity and information and assignment and resources from heaven isn't making its shipments. Because the spirit is locked down, it's broken, it's tied up, it's in a region of captivity, it's whatever. And, and, and look, I'm telling you, some people just say, I disagree with everything you just said, Daniel, because I know about the spirit and that's not what I heard in my church. Remember the deacon. Don't be that guy. I'm in the business of helping people to come to another level in Christ. And this is what I'm here to tell you. We are here to manifest on both sides of the veil. And one of the reasons why the body of Christ is not manifesting on this side of the veil is because we're not manifesting on that side of the veil. And, and, and when our spirits begin to manifest on that side of the veil with power and capacity and authority and strength and might and armies under their jurisdiction because they've grown and they've expanded. The more we as our soul and everything that we are tasked with on this side of the veil is able to plug into that. Because that is plugged into Christ. So we spend a lot of time in the body of Christ trying to solve every problem we have on the side of the soul. So we have, you know, get rich quick schemes. And, and we have, you know, three ways to a better life. And just do this one thing. And, you know, all this, you know, and, and some of this is really good wisdom. But, but there's this thing that's missing. It's this missing component that we weren't told. It's time for us to manifest on both sides of the veil. Manifest something more. And the enemy knows what we look like on both sides of the veil. The enemy knows. And that's why these Jewish exorcists went in and tried to cast out this demon. And it even said to these guys, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? <laughs> I'm not impressed. People are locked down, shut up, weak, broken. You know, people walking around, their human spirits have spears, arrows, tracking devices, chains, handcuffs, blindfolds, gagging devices. 
counterfeit garments. They're walking around the spirit like that. And I know this because I've ministered to some of you. And I've seen Jesus set people's spirits free from this nonsense, but it has to be transacted on purpose. The people are not manifesting on that side of the veil. They're not manifesting on this side of the veil. We're broke. We're busted. We're disgusted. And it's time for the ship. It's the end of delay. God doesn't want your delay to end in the condition you are in. <laughs> he wants to upgrade your condition and end your delay in the mountaintop he's taking you to. I'm telling you what. Um, we're called to manifest on both sides of the veil. We are sons of God. Royalty in the earth, walking ambassadors of heaven. <laughs> That's the state of heaven. heaven. Heaven's a state. It's a country. It's a place where we, we hail from. So, so what I'm here to tell you is that we need ministry on both sides of the veil, right? And I, I want to tell you something really cool. People, listen. When your spirit becomes strong, everything changes. Everything changes. I, 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 I mean, it gets so cool when your spirit is beefy. It gets so cool when your spirit is beefy. Um, you know, I remember one night when I, when I was, this was when I was still living in Texarkana, you know, now we're in Dallas when I was in Texarkana and I started to meet my spirit. I woke up one night and I sensed my spirit, like literally standing on top of me in the bed. And I'm like, Daniel's spirit, what are you doing? And he said, I'm protecting you. So See, many of us, we deal with sleep paralysis, we deal with nightmares, we deal with all kinds of attacks in our sleep, on and on. When the spirit gets strong, the spirit itself can shut a lot of this stuff down without the soul actually having to do much. Because the spirit is pulling on armies and resources and weaponry and cavalry from heaven, from the spiritual realm, into a person's experience. You know, some of us run into obstacles, barriers. We, you know, we can't make progress in the natural with our business or our ministry or this or that or whatever. But when our spirit becomes strong, our spirit is able to go into the heavens and to begin to contend and remove obstacles with the angels while our soul's on earth. Like, what are you doing, bro? That's pretty awesome. See, we can partner what we do in the soul is what we do. You know, one time I was praying, God told me this. He said this. He said, Daniel, the spirit establishes agreement in the heavens, but the soul establishes agreement in the earth. Okay? Now, both are important. How many people know that when it comes to raising kids, God gave the husband and he gave the wife? So you could raise the kids. You know, you could give birth to things and bring them to full maturation. But did you know that the things that God has called you to birth in your life, okay, are intended to be stewarded over by the soul and the spirit working as a team. And many of us are doing things in the earth, all this stuff, like a single mom. 
Because the spirit isn't part of it at all. Our spirit's locked up, shut down, you know? It's not an ideal situation. And I'm telling you, like advancing in the natural is just like advancing in the spirit. You think you get upgrades in the natural, right? It's like, all right, I was driving, you know, uh, a Ford Fiesta, but then I got a better job and then I got a promotion, I got a raise and it's 10 years later and now I'm driving a Mercedes. It's an upgrade, you know? We get upgrades in the spirit too. Like there, there are increasing levels of manifestation for your human spirit. You know, I remember once upon a time, my spirit had a different kind of armor. My armor has been upgraded in the spirit to the point that my spirit now wears something called royal armor, which, you know, it wasn't entrusted for me to have that stuff until I reached a certain point in my relationship with Jesus, right? I, I had to grow into the place where I was like, okay, I'm ready to receive this stuff. And then, you know, I went on to, to be activated and to receive, you know, um, I mean, access to my archie, which I'm not going to tell you about in this podcast, access to the mountain, access to the star, access to all these, like, you know, I, I mean, there are things that I could tell you about what your spirit can step into as manifestation in the spirit realm that most of the body doesn't even know exists to be received. I just can't get, but I'm telling you about it here. Why? God said, you know, talk about what's on your heart. What's on my heart is to see the body of Christ take their posts, not only on the earth, but in the heavens. We haven't learned how to take our posts in either place. And we develop these theologies like, look, we're not supposed to do anything. Just show up in church and eventually Jesus can come back and give us a rapture. I hate that. <laughs> Let me tell you something about the rapture, okay? I, I often leave this issue alone during my podcast because... Nobody likes to talk about the rapture. Everyone argues about it, you know. Well, me too, okay? <laughs> I do too. And, you know, I, I did a lot of study in this thing, okay? Because one of the things that God told me way back, he said, Daniel, you can't even understand the context of your calling until you break this bondage called pre-tribulation rapture. That is a bondage. Because if you program yourself with an escapist mentality, you will live outside of your assignment areas. If you don't believe there is a fire or such a thing as fires, you will never build a fire station. Okay? And let me, let me just say what God took it for me. He said, if my people don't believe that there will be a mark of the beast where, you know, they're going to try to develop their own economic system, that mandates changes to the human existence. My people won't cooperate with me to build an alternative system. There is an alternative system coming. I, I, I'm not even going to go there. That's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to say. Many of you listening to me, have assignments that you can't understand the context of 
because you've been programmed with false information. And borders have been put around your understanding of things that have kept you outside of understanding why you exist the way you do. So God broke this thing for me. And I'm going to give you a few scriptures and just kind of, you know, move on. But this is how I look at it, okay? Uh, Revelation 8, 1 and 2 says this. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about the space of half an hour. I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Okay. So you have all these, in the book of Revelation, you have all of these trumpets. They're sealed judgments, right? And, and they're, they're, they're like events, because there's a scroll in heaven, Jesus gets a scroll, okay, he's the only one found worthy to lose the seals of the scroll, and it's like, you know, it has seven stamps on it, and he's peeling off these seals, so he can open the scroll, and each seal, every time something's pulled off, something happens in the earth, so you have the four horsemen of what they call the apocalypse, you know, uh, and, and then you have some other stuff that happens. Revelation chapter six. Well, <clears throat> there are seven of those seals. Okay. And when the seventh seal is opened, according to Revelation 8, 1 and 2, there is a distribution of seven trumpets. I don't know how much clearer this could be. The trumpets are not distributed until the seventh seal is opened. Read it for yourself. So then we come back into the Pauline epistles and Paul spends a whole lot of time talking about the last trumpet. That's trumpet number seven. Okay. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Okay. There's the transformation of the body of Christ into our spiritual bodies right there. It's at the last trumpet. That's trumpet number seven. That means that everything that the book of Revelation describes in Revelation chapter six, in Revelation chapter eight, in Revelation chapter nine, the seventh trumpet doesn't get discussed until Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. So we're here for all of this stuff. It's the last trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 is very clear. But if that isn't enough, you can read the rest of the scriptures. Revelation eleven fifteen, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. See, when the seventh angel sounds, that's when Jesus comes back and finishes making the kingdoms of this world his kingdoms. Right? He, he actually takes possession of the earth away from the powers of darkness that have had pockets of influence throughout the planet. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What is declaring that event? The trumpet. Which one? The seventh trumpet, the last trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. That's the, it's one event. All of these efforts 
to create this two event situation where you have Jesus coming back to rapture people into the clouds and he comes back later with the voice of an archangel with his trouble. You can't do that. You're just cheating. You're cheating. All these dispensational theologians that have created this nonsense, they, they cheated. They cheated. They just took scriptures out of context and said, this means this and this means that. Now believe me because I have three letters behind my name. Well, I did. And you know what? God rebuked me. <laughs> Because it was getting in his way. It's time to build. God's saying, look, don't prepare for an escape. It's time for you guys to manifest on both sides of the veil. Because what's coming requires a superhero generation. <laughs> Get the superheroes in a minute. Revelation 1-7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. You know, when Jesus comes, he's coming with clouds. And did you know that those same clouds in Revelation 1-7 are mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 4-16? Then we which are alive and remain shall be called together with them in the clouds. Right? Because it's the same event, which is the same event as the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, which is the same passage as 1 Corinthians 15, 52. It says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, it's all one story. Stop cheating. Revelation 11, 15 through 18 continues on um, and, and talks about all the things that happen at the seventh trumpet sounding. In verse 16, it continues and says, The four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou should give reward to the servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them which fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. Jesus is coming back here. Okay? Revelation 10, 7 is a nail in the coffin. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Revelation 10, 7 is the nail in the coffin. Why? Can I tell you? Do you know what the mystery is? What is the mystery that's going to be finished at the voice of the seventh angel? Answer. First Thessalonians. Actually, uh, um, it's actually 1 Corinthians 15.51. 1 Corinthians 15.51, which says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Behold, I show you a mystery. So then he gets into... In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The mystery has to do with our transformation in Christ. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's the mystery. Revelation 10, 7. Behold, I show you mystery. What's, what mystery? We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, right? So <clears throat> I, I, I just, like, I'm so over it. Like, I, I say it, and I say it again, and I say it again. And, and you know, I still sit down with people. They're like, you know, Daniel, I still believe in a pre-trib rapture, you know. I just want you to know that. 
Good for you. Hey, Daniel, I like to put logs in front of my feet and trip over them for fun. <laughs> Great. Hey, Daniel, I like to close the door and then walk into it instead of walking through open doors. It just feels better. God bless you, sir. <laughs> okay. Ooh, Lord Jesus, I repent. <clears throat> um, there is so much coming to the earth. Now, this year is an end of delay. All right. Part of the reason is because people are going to make decisions this year to rise from their former posture and choose to take a journey to manifest on both sides of the veil. Like I'm done because I am so done watching the children of God, people that I love and care for get their butts kicked. I've been sick of this for years. And that is why I've dedicated my whole life, like everything, every day. It's like, how can we win? How can we get these breakthroughs? How can we get these victories? How can we change the situation? What else can we do to kick the devil's teeth in? Come on, someone say, praise God. And people are signing up. People are going to sign up this year. I'm done. You know, one of the things that I believe is happening is that people realize we're called higher. You know, there's a lot of interest in superhero movies, right? I mean, I like some of them. And, you know, we see things being modeled for us on the screen and we're like, wow, that's so cool. Superhuman powers, you know? And of course you have a vein that's behind this, right? It's called a transhumanist movement because the devil's going to try to sell people on a counterfeit. He's going to say, look, if you just let us change your genetics and put this stuff in you that God didn't put in there and, and move your stuff this way and rearrange that, you can have some superpowers. Or if you just show up to enough rituals and get enough demons inside of you and, 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 and you can get some superpowers. Or, you know, so they want to merge dark arts with technology and augmentation of genome and nanotechnology and all this stuff so that they can create transhumanism and move people past humanity. And so they're selling it big, right? Because you see the superhero, he's like, oh, I want to be like that. And the devil's coming in, it's like, here's my counterfeit. But this is what I've learned. This is what I've learned. I've learned that the capacity of our spirits makes most of the powers of these superheroes look like kindergarten recess stuff. Oh, all you can do is fly around the earth in 10 seconds? It took you that long? I'm telling you, we have no idea just how much our operational capacity is when we achieve some of these higher levels of manifestation on the other side of the veil. You don't know. You don't know because it's on the spirit world side of things that the truest version of our identity as sons of God is displayed. And I'm trying to help people connect to that. I want to graduate superheroes in the spirit. I want to see that. I want to see people that rise up and their spirits in the spirit are beginning to do things that make these superhero movies look like a bunch of clowns. 
And I know people right now that already are operating on some of these levels. We're trying to open it up to the whole body of Christ. Why? Because it's necessary. There are things coming to the earth. And we have a responsibility to be God's response team to it. And we're not going to do it with business as usual. This is part of the reason why we have the Bible school. I'm telling you, if you are ready to go to some other levels, get in our institute. Because to, to, to get to this full operation, you know, we need several things. We need deliverance. We need inner healing. And we need ministry to our human spirit. And we have classes on all three of those subjects plus foundation. And, and, and look, what I have done for many people now for years in all of these areas, inner healing, deliverance, ministry to the human spirit, we've condensed into courses that will actually give you the how-tos so that you can take that years of experience Take a few notes, practice with a friend, and activate yourself into superhero status in the spirit in Jesus Christ. I, I, I am convinced that people all over the earth are ready to go to another. All, all they need to do is just sign up. <laughs> we did all the homework on a lot of this stuff. At least on the technical aspects. The aspects of engaging in genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, intimacy, fellowship, worship. All of that, that's on you. I can't put that into your life with a simple course. You have to choose that. But the technical issues that present challenges, that create blockades, that create impasses on the journey to going towards manifesting something more, we've solved so many of these questions. Not all, but many. Take advantage of the resources. Last thought, and then I'm going to conclude this. You know, uh, one of the things that we have to realize as we go towards more is that it's all about Jesus. Did you know that manifesting as a superhero in the spirit is all about Jesus? You're doing that to bring him glory. And when we manifest as superheroes in the spirit because our spirits are activating all kinds of radical things, we begin to plug into that from the natural world. I mean, you know, I mean, look, bride ministries, other things that me and my wife are building, we actually intentionally plug that stuff into the resources that we have in the spirit so that we can pump from the spirit realm all of the resources that we need to build stuff into the natural. And our spirits are involved in that process. It's so profound, the kind of shifts that people can step into. We want that for you. And I want you to do that. Um, one of the things that we have to learn is that, look, it's all about Jesus, right? Jesus receives glory when his children manifest according to what he sees on their scrolls. That, that brings him glory. That brings him honor. That brings him praise. And it advances his agendas. It's all about him. And so we have to understand that in all of this, we need to put him first. And one of the ways that we ensure that our hearts are in the right place and putting Jesus first is by engaging in first fruits offerings. First fruits is bestowing honor upon God. 
And if there's one thing that I know God has his glory on this year, it is on giving. It is on giving. And I'll just tell you, okay? Let me just say this. I am not preaching out the side of my face on this one. God has challenged me and my wife in this area this year more than I've ever been challenged before. And I'm going to leave it at that. And I, my wife and I have signed up. We said yes. We agree. First fruits and more. We're going to pour it out. Genesis 4, and, and I, I love, I, I, I have um, a mentor right, right now. He's a bushop, powerful man of God. Uh, we were having a conversation the other day, and he pointed out to me something in the story of Cain and Abel that I had not seen before. Because he is kind of resonating on the same thing we were talking about. We're like, oh, man, you, yeah, oh, wow, I was getting that too. And so he was talking about first fruits to his people. He brought this up. Genesis chapter four. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. One of the differences between Cain's sacrifice and Abel's sacrifice was that Abel gave the firstborn, that is the first fruits of his flock and their fat. He bestowed honor upon God. And God respected that. But Cain? Cain just brought some fruit. And so in not bringing what was first, he did not honor God. And God did not respect that. And so many of you that listen to this podcast, I, and I know this is true, you don't understand giving, okay? Uh, I meet a lot of people that really struggle in this area. Giving, giving, uh, no. Pastors are crooks. I don't give money. I give time. This is a heart issue, and this is an honor issue. Honoring God is done with a first fruits offering. This predates the law if you didn't know. And I'm here to tell you, there is a glory on giving this year, sowing, and, and, and you know, I for one am signing up. End of delay. And by saying that, I don't care where you sow into the kingdom. I'm not saying you have to give it to bride ministries. I'm saying give it somewhere the Lord has put on your heart. And if it is bride ministries, we receive it in Jesus' name. But let me tell you, end of the story, it's time for us to begin manifesting something more. And when we do, we are bringing God glory. Until next time, God bless.
You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at bridemovement.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.